history teacher. So we're just going to get right into it. So our first question is, how do you answer source questions? Source questions. Okay. So for our specification, IGCSE, um, there are several source questions that come up most years. Uh, and the stem of the question is always the same. However, what changes is the source. So you really need to know how to answer each individual question. But before you get to the individual questions, there are some basic principles about sources. The first thing that you get in a source is the content of the source. Now, the content of the source can either be a picture or it can be some text. It can be a diary entry or it can be some text from a speech that's been said or a report that's been written. The first key thing to do when you're looking at the source is to look at the bit underneath the source, uh, which is sometimes called the provenance. Uh, sometimes it's in italics, uh, and if you read that couple of lines or the sentence, uh, it should give you a little bit more information about what the source is, and most importantly, where it comes from. So normally it gives you information like the date, uh, who the author was, what the nationality of the author was, what the author's job was, and that gives us something very important in history that we call context. Context means what's going on at the time. So before you even look at the cartoon or the text of the source, what we call the content, you can gather some key information that will help you figure out what's going on in the source. For example, if it is a source that relates to the Cold War and it's an American source, we know that that source is going to be pro-capitalist. Obviously, if it's a Russian source, normally you can figure out that it's going to be pro-communist. So after you read the uh, provenance, what you need to do is uh, three things, really. The first thing, uh, and I actually call this the triangle of power. If you know the triangle of power, you will know how to answer a source question. At the tip of the triangle, so at the top, is number one. Number one is answer the question. So if the question is, what's the main message of the source? you have to figure out what the message of the source is. And you start by saying the message of the source is, and you go on to say in sort of one or two sentences clearly what you think the message of the source is. Then if you go to one of the other sides of the triangle, so the second side of a triangle, we call this source detail. In any question on sources, you must, must, must reference details from the source. So if it's a big picture of Hitler standing on top of the world, you know that the message of the source is that Hitler's trying to take over the world, and you would say, in this source, I can see a figure standing on top of the world. The figure is Hitler, and the world represents what Hitler wanted to do by conquering the world. And then the third part of the source, the third part of the triangle, is your own knowledge. That's the key. That's what picks you up marks. That is what the examiner looks at and says, this kid knows what they're talking about. So if we take our uh, example of Hitler standing on top of the world, we would have to give an example of Hitler invading another country. 
So we've got Czechoslovakia in 1938. You could talk about Anschluss with Austria in 1938. You could talk about Hitler invading Poland on the 1st of September 1939. There are lots of examples. The more examples you use, the better mark you will get. So sources really is about three things. One, answer the question. Two, use source detail. And three, add as much own knowledge as possible. Imagine a triangle in your head. Yeah, yeah that is really useful. So for the second question, what is a brief overview of how to structure an essay? So like maybe a 12 marker or a six marker. Okay. Um, so in again, I'm taking our... Uh, yeah. scheme of work here which is IGCSE so let's take first paper one which is a 10 marker um, all of these questions will uh, ask you a question and you have to argue two sides of the question so I would write two peel paragraphs or P paragraphs um, arguing for the statement and then I would write two paragraphs, two P or P all paragraphs, arguing against the statement. Uh, now, P all stands for point, evidence, explain, link. So four P all paragraphs in total, two for, two against, and a conclusion. Now, if we give ourselves uh, a, an example, such as uh, the Treaty of Versailles was fair. How far do you agree with this statement? Obviously, we have to write two peel paragraphs for the statement and two against the statement. So let's take the example of um, France. Now, the Treaty of Versailles was fair because Germany technically invaded France twice in 50 years. So your point for that statement could be the Treaty of Versailles was fair because France needed to feel safe. Your evidence would be the fact that Germany had invaded them twice, once in 1871 in the Franco-Prussian War and the second time in 1914, uh, World War One. Your explanation would be, therefore, the Treaty of Versailles was fair because Germany had proved to be a very aggressive country in the past and after World War One. Europe and specifically, well, more importantly, the world wanted to feel safe, wanted to feel that World War a world war would never happen again and therefore Germany had to be punished to an extent that they would never invade France again. Now that bit of the, of the paragraph is the key, the explanation. Within your explanation you must use connectives. Connectives are words that connect two sentences together. Uh, so if you think of an animal you're thinking of a cat. My cat at home is called Baggins. She is a Norwegian forest cat. She is named after my favourite Lord of the Rings character. So if you think of a cat, C-A-T, okay? Words like consequently, which starts with a C. Words like as a result, or phrases like as a result, which starts with an A, and then the T. Loads of Ts, you've got therefore, this means that, this shows that, this resulted in. Uh, and another important tip, always use the wording of the question. If the question is the Treaty of Versailles was fair, you would say something like, therefore, the Treaty of Versailles was fair because, and then you'd go into your explanation. So in summary, four peel paragraphs, two for, two against, and a conclusion. Now there's one more essay question, which is in paper two. 
Paper 2 is filled with sources. The lead examiner of IGCSE history said, and I quote, the 12 marker is the easiest question on the exam paper. The first thing is to make sure you allocate an appropriate amount of time to the 12 marker. It's worth the most marks. Make sure you have time at the end of the exam to answer it in full. Now, what I would advise is that immediately when you get into the exam uh, hall, you sit down, the first thing you do is draw a table, okay, on a scrap piece of paper or on the exam paper. And you split it into two columns, sources that agree with the statement of the 12 marker and sources that disagree with the statement of the 12 marker. And as you're working your way through the paper, answering questions one to five, whenever you are reviewing a source, jot down in the table whether the source is for the statement or against the statement. So if we take the earlier question we were dealing with, the Treaty of Versailles was fair, do you agree? Um, any of the sources that agree that the Treaty of Versailles was fair on Germany, you would pop in the left-hand column, and any saying the Treaty of Versailles was not fair, you'd pop in the right-hand column. Then when you get to the essay, what you want to do is you want to write one very small paragraph for each source. You're, and it's the same as the 10 marker in paper one in the fact that you can pee these paragraphs. Your point would be whether the source, source A, says that the Treaty of Versailles was fair or not. Your evidence would either be a quote from the source, and make sure you use quotation marks, or it would be uh, a description of the source if it's a picture or a cartoon, okay? Very important. Always make sure you reference the source. Source A shows, and then you describe it. Or source A quotes, and then you take a quote from it. Then your explanation must link to whether or not the source detail that you have quoted or described says that the Treaty of Versailles is fair or unfair. If you do that for every source, you can get 10 marks out of 12. The other two marks come for evaluation. On the end of two of the sources, out of the eight or nine sources that you talk about, you must evaluate the source. And you evaluate the source by doing one of three things. And it's called COP, C-O-P. You can cross-reference the sources. So you can say, I know source A is a trustworthy, reliable source, because if you look at source C or source D or source E, these sources agree with each other. They both state that the treaty was unfair on Germany. Therefore, we've got two sources that uh, agree that the Treaty of Versailles was fair. Therefore, it's more likely to be convincing. Secondly, own knowledge. If a source says the Treaty of Versailles is fair because France needed protecting, you could use your own knowledge. France were invaded twice in 50 years, once in 1871, once in 1914. Therefore, we know that limiting the army, the German army, to 100,000 soldiers was indeed fair. The third thing is the purpose. Now, when we talk about the purpose, we talk about the purpose of the author. Okay? So, if we take our analogy of it being a, an American author as part of the Cold War, you know that the American author, the purpose of that author, is going to be to make America look good. 
particularly if they had something to do with the Cold War. They would be trying to justify their own actions. And therefore, the source might not be as convincing as we once thought, because the purpose of the author means that he could be one-sided or biased. So, in summary, how to answer a 12 marker, little paragraph on each of the sources, you can pee the paragraphs, which sources are for the statement, which sources are against the statement. If you do that for all of the sources, you can get 10 out of 12. There are two marks for um, evaluation, which is COP, cross-reference, own knowledge or purpose. And you just bolt that on to the end of your little mini paragraph for two of the sources. So instead of point evidence explain in that paragraph, it would be point evidence explain evaluate. Uh, and just to be clear, please leave enough time for that 12 marker in the source paper because it is, when you've practiced it a, a few times, the easiest question in GCSE history. Okay. Um, what is your favorite method of revising content? Uh, okay, uh, my favorite method of revision uh, when I was at school uh, was the Sherlock Holmes Mind Palace. Do you know what this is? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, good. So there's so much information that we have to keep in our brains that we don't know what's relevant, we don't know which pieces of information we're going to use. So for instance, in the core content in History IGCSE, there are seven topics, but they can only ask us about four of them in paper one because there are only four questions, A, B, C, four times. And of that, you only need to actually answer two of them. So out of the seven topics, you're only going to be examined on two in paper one. Therefore, you've got all of this information and out of the topics, you don't even know what the questions are going to be. So there's going to be some information in that topic that you're not going to need. So how do you organise it in your brain? So my mind palace when I was in school was my house because I revised in my house. So I would picture going into my house. So let's say that my house has seven rooms. There are seven topics in GCSE paper one. Each room would be a topic. So for instance, let's take the Treaty of Versailles. That's the first topic. Now the first topic when you go into my house, uh, sorry, the first room when you go into my house is the lounge. It's on the left. So I would go in and all of my information on the Treaty of Versailles in my mind palace would be in the lounge. Okay? So... The Treaty of Versailles took negotiation. Now, you normally negotiate around a table, okay? So, the terms of the Treaty of Versailles that we remember, TRAWL, T-R-A-W-L, territories, reparations, armed forces, war guilt, League of Nations. Because they were negotiated at the Treaty of Versailles, uh, when I go into my lounge and I see the table, that's where I keep my information on the Treaty of Versailles. Trawl is the table, okay? So I would visualise the table in my head split into five sections. And in each section would be a term of the Treaty of Versailles. T-R-A-W-L. Then, in my lounge, you go to the sofa. The sofa is the comfy place where you watch TV, etc. So, what was comfortable about the Treaty of Versailles? Well, nothing. But, 
each individual leader that went to the Treaty of Versailles was comfortable in their own opinions about what they wanted to achieve. So in my lounge, I've got a three-seater sofa. There were three, pe three main people at the Treaty of Versailles. So on the left, I would visualise Woodrow Wilson. In the middle, I would visualise David Lloyd George. And on the right, I would visualise a very angry George Clemenceau. And I'd visualise their facial features, which would reflect how happy or sad they were with the terms of the Treaty of Versailles. And it would go on like this. Everything, every item in the room would represent a part of the Treaty of Versailles. And as soon as I go into my lounge, I know what, exactly what's in my lounge. So all I've got to remember is what the objects in my lounge represent. And that is how I would learn every single detail about the Treaty of Versailles. And here's the key part. In the exam, if the Treaty of Versailles comes up, then you know you have to use the lounge. If, for instance, the other room, the kitchen, for instance, if that was the League of Nations and that didn't come up, you can forget about the kitchen. So you can disregard all that information immediately. And you can use your mind palace in the lounge. So you would go into your lounge and you'd visualise every object in your lounge and you know that some of those objects are going to be important. Now, if the, if the foremarker in the exam was the terms of the Treaty of Versailles, describe the territorial losses that Germany incurred at the Treaty of Versailles, you know that you have to go to the table because the table represents the Treaty of Versailles. You know that you have to go to the left-hand side of the table because that's the section of the table that represents the territorial losses of the Treaty of Versailles. So really, I organised my information in my mind palace. That was the most popular method of revision for me. The key, I think, for students is to figure out what theirs is. Um, in history, we use a lot of timelines. Um, and we, there are lots of dates floating around, so sometimes it's good to use flashcards, especially for four markers, because you need four facts about things. Um, so there's loads of different revision strategies you can use. The key is to find the one that works for you. So thank you so much, Mr Cheatley. That has been really helpful. I'm really interested in the mind palace, actually. Mm. Yeah. I do, I do wonder how does it work, does that only work for one subject? So I couldn't have my house as my drama and my behaviour. Yeah, I mean, what, so what I had when I was growing up is I had my house, and, and that was history, because uh, history was my favourite subject at school. Um, for Latin, uh, Latin was in my shed, because Latin's really old. It's an old language and my, the shed in my garden was falling apart. So it made sense to me that anything to do with Latin was in the shed. And then I just did the same thing. I split the shed up and the toolbox represented the text that I was studying um, and various different aspects um, were other things in the Latin syllabus. So you have to find different places that you know well to represent the different subjects. So I only used that for subjects where there was a lot of information you needed. For other subjects like English language, obviously where you don't have to learn a massive amount, are revised in a different way. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. We might just do our highs and lows very quickly. Yeah, we might. So my high of the week... Oh, I'm shivering to think. My high of the week is probably... Well, it's not 
happened yet. On Friday, I'm going for a meal with my friends for my birthday, so I'm really looking forward to that. And my low of the week is probably we're getting all our tests back this week, so I'm a bit nervous. What about you, Lottie? Um, my high of the week is that my is that my drama performance is happening next week, but my low of the week is that it's happening next week. <laughs> it's happening next week. So thank you so much for listening. And tonight we will be. Well, we've already posted actually because it's going up on Saturday. Yeah. And next week we are interviewing our drama teacher, so stay tuned for that. Yes, and thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheese podcast with Lottie and Scarlett. Thank you so much to Family Pike for our amazing theme tune. You can find them on Instagram at Family Pike.